0: Section 18 of The Morals, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Cynthia Moyer. The Morals, Volume 1, by Plutarch. Translated by several hands, corrected and revised by William W. Goodwin. The Apophthames, or Remarkable Sayings of Kings and Great Commanders. Part 4. Cato the Elder. Cato the Elder, in a speech to the people, inveighed against luxury and intemperance how hard said he is it to persuade the belly that hath no ears and he wondered how that city was preserved wherein a fish was sold for more than an ox once he scoffed at the prevailing imperiousness of women all other men said he govern their wives but we command all other men, and our wives, us. He said he had rather not be rewarded for his good deeds than not punished for his evil deeds, and at any time he could pardon all other offenders besides himself. He instigated the magistrates to punish all offenders, saying that they that did not prevent crimes when they might encouraged them of young men he liked them that blushed better than those who looked pale and hated a soldier that moved his hands as he walked and his feet as he fought and whose sneeze was louder than his outcry when he charged he said, he was the worst governor who could not govern himself. It was his opinion that every one ought especially to reverence himself, for every one was always in his own presence. When he saw many had their statues set up, I had rather, says he, men should ask, Why cato had no statue than why he had one he exhorted those in power to be sparing of exercising their power that they might continue in power they that separate honor from virtue said he separate virtue from youth a governor said he or judge ought to do justice without entreaty, not injustice upon entreaty. He said that injustice, if it did not endanger the authors, endangered all besides. He requested old men not to add the disgrace of wickedness to old age, which was accompanied with many other evils. He thought an angry man differed from a madman only in the shorter time which his passion endured. He thought that they who enjoyed their fortunes decently and moderately were far from being envied. For men do not envy us, said he, but our estates. He said, they that were serious in ridiculous matters would be ridiculous in serious affairs honorable actions ought to succeed honorable sayings lest said he they lose their reputation he blamed the people for always choosing the same men officers for either you think said he the government Little worth, or very few fit to govern. He pretended to wonder at one that sold an estate by the seaside, as if he were more powerful than the sea, for he had drunk up that which the sea could hardly drown. When he stood for the consulship, and saw others begging and flattering the people for votes, he cried out aloud, The people have need of a sharp physician and a great purge. Therefore not the mildest but the most inexorable person is to be chosen, for which word he was chosen before all others. Encouraging young men to fight boldly, he oftentimes said, the speech and voice terrify and put to flight the enemy more than the hand and sword as he warred against baetica he was outnumbered by the enemy and in danger the celtiberians offered for two hundred talents to send him a supply and the romans would not suffer him to engage to pay wages to barbarians you are out said he for if we overcome not we but the enemy must pay them if we are routed there will be nobody to demand nor to pay either having taken more cities as he saith than he stayed days in the enemy's country he reserved no more of the prey for himself than what he ate or drank. He distributed to every soldier a round of silver, saying, It was better many should return out of the campaign with silver than a few with gold. For governors ought to gain nothing by their governments but honor. Five servants waited on him in the army, whereof one had bought Three prisoners, and understanding Cato knew it, before he came into his presence, he hanged himself. Being requested by Scipio Africanus to befriend the banished Achaeans that they might return to their own country, he made as if he would not be concerned in that business. But when the matter was disputed in the Senate, rising up, he said, We sit here as if we had nothing else to do but to argue about a few old Grecians, whether they shall be carried to their graves by our bearers or by those of their own country. Posthumus Albinus wrote a history in Greek, and in it begs the pardon of his readers. Said Cato, jeering him, If the Amphictyonic Council commanded him to write it, he ought to be pardoned. Scipio Jr. It is reported that Scipio Jr. never bought, nor sold, nor built anything for the space of fifty-four years, and so long as he lived, and that of so great an estate he left but thirty-three pounds of silver and two of gold behind him although he was lord of carthage and enriched his soldiers more than other generals he observed the precept of polybius and endeavored never to return from the forum until by some means or other he had engaged some one he lighted on to be his friend or companion while he was yet young he had such a repute for valor and knowledge that cato the elder being asked his opinion of the commanders in africa of whom scipio was one answered in that greek verse others like shadows fly he only is wise when he came from the army to rome the people preferred him not to gratify him but because they hoped by his assistance to conquer carthage with more ease and speed after he was entered the walls the carthaginians defended themselves in the castle separated by the sea not very deep polybius advised him to scatter caltrops in the water or planks with iron spikes that the enemy might not pass over to assault their bulwark he answered that it was ridiculous for those who had taken the walls and were within the city to contrive how they might not fight with the enemy he found the city full of greek statues and presents brought thither from sicily and made proclamation that such as were present from those cities might claim and carry away what belonged to them when others plundered and carried away the spoil he would not suffer any that belonged to him either slave or freeman to take nor so much as to buy any of it he assisted gaius lilius his most beloved friend when he stood to be consul and asked pompey who was thought to be a piper's son whether he stood or not he replied no and besides promised to join with them in going about and procuring votes which they believed and expected but were deceived for news was brought that pompey was in the forum fawning on and soliciting the citizens for himself. Whereat, others being enraged, Scipio laughed. We may thank our own folly for this, said he, that, as if we were not to request men but the gods, we lose our time in waiting for a piper. When he stood to be censor, Appius Claudius, his rival told him that he could salute all the romans by their names whereas scipio scarce knew any of them you say true said he for it hath been my care not to know many but that all might know me he advised the city which then had an army in celtiberia to send them both to the army either as tribunes or lieutenants that thus the soldiers might be witnesses and judges of the valor of each of them when he was made censor he took away his horse from a young man who in the time while carthage was besieged made a costly supper in which was a honey-cake made after the shape of that city which he named carthage and set before his guests to be plundered by them. And when the young man asked the reason why he took his horse from him, he said, Because you plundered Carthage before me. As he saw Gaius Licinius coming towards him, I know, said he, that man is perjured. But since nobody accuses him, i cannot be his accuser and judge too the senate sent him thrice as clitomachus saith to take cognizance of men cities and manners as an overseer of cities kings and countries as he came to alexandria and landed he went with his head covered and the Alexandrians running about him entreated he would gratify them by uncovering and showing them his desirable face. When he uncovered his head, they clapped their hands with a loud acclamation. The king, by reason of his laziness and corpulency, making a hard shift to keep pace with them, Scipio whispered softly to Panitius. The Alexandrians have already received some benefit of our visit, for upon our account they have seen their king walk. There traveled with him one friend, Panitius the philosopher, and five servants, whereof, one dying in the journey, he would not buy another, but sent for one to Rome the numantines seemed invincible and having overcome several generals the people the second time chose scipio general in that war when great numbers strived to list them in his army even that the senate forbade as if italy thereby would be left destitute nor did they allow him money that was in bank but ordered him to receive the revenues of tributes that were not yet payable as to money scipio said he wanted none for of his own and by his friends he could be supplied but of the decree concerning the soldiers he complained for the war he said was a hard and difficult one whether their defeat had been caused by the valor of the enemy or by the cowardice of their own men. When he came to the army, he found there much disorder, intemperance, superstition, and luxury. Immediately he drove away the soothsayers, priests, and panders. He ordered them to send away their household stuff. All except kettles, a spit, and an earthen cup. He allowed a silver cup, weighing not more than two pounds, to such as desired it. He forbade them to bathe, and those that anointed themselves were to rub themselves too. For horses wanted another to rub them, he said, only because they had no hand of their own he ordered them to eat their dinner standing and to have only such food as was dressed without fire but they might sit down at supper to bread plain porridge and flesh boiled or roasted he himself walked about clothed in a black cassock saying he mourned for the disgrace of the army he met by chance, with the pack-horses of Memmius, a tribune that carried wine-coolers set with precious stones, and the best Corinthian vessels. Since you are such a one, said he, you have made yourself useless to me and to your country for thirty days, but to yourself all your life long. Another showed him a shield well adorned. THE SHIELD, SAID HE, YOUNG MAN, IS A FINE ONE, BUT IT BECOMES A ROMAN TO HAVE HIS CONFIDENCE PLACED RATHER IN HIS RIGHT HAND THAN IN HIS LEFT. TO ONE THAT WAS BUILDING THE RAMPART, SAYING HIS BURDEN WAS VERY HEAVY, AND DESERVEDLY, SAID HE, FOR YOU TRUST MORE TO THIS WOOD THAN TO YOUR SWORD. WHEN HE SAW THE RASH CONFIDENCE OF THE ENEMY, He said that he bought security with time for a good general like a good physician useth iron as his last remedy and yet he fought when he saw it convenient and routed the enemy when they were worsted the elder men chid them and asked why they fled from those they had pursued so often it is said a Numantine answered, The sheep are the same still, but they have another shepherd. After he had taken Numantia and triumphed a second time, he had a controversy with Gaius Gracchus concerning the Senate and the allies, and the abusive people made a tumult about him as he spake from the pulpit the outcry of the army said he when they charge never disturbed me much less the clamour of a rabble of newcomers to whom italy is a stepmother i am well assured and not a mother and when they of gracchus's party cried out kill the tyrant no wonder said he THAT THEY WHO MAKE WAR UPON THEIR COUNTRY WOULD KILL ME FIRST. FOR ROME CANNOT FALL WHILE Scipio STANDS, NOR CAN Scipio LIVE WHEN ROME IS FALLEN. CACILIUS METELLUS Cacilius Metellus, DESIGNING TO REDUCE A STRONG FORT, A CAPTAIN TOLD HIM HE WOULD UNDERTAKE TO TAKE IT WITH THE LOSS ONLY OF TEN MEN, AND HE ASKED HIM WHETHER HE HIMSELF WOULD BE ONE OF THOSE TEN. A YOUNG COLONEL ASKED HIM WHAT DESIGN HE HAD IN THE WHEEL. IF I THOUGHT MY SHIRT NEW, SAID HE, I WOULD PLUCK IT OFF AND BURN IT. HE WAS AT VARIANCE WITH Scipio IN HIS LIFETIME but he lamented at his death, and commanded his sons to assist at the hearse, and said he gave the gods thanks in the behalf of Rome that Scipio was born in no other country. Gaius Marius Gaius Marius was of obscure parentage, pursuing offices by his valor, he pretended to the chief idealship, and perceiving he could not reach it, the same day he stood for the lesser, and missing of that also, yet for all that he did not despair of being consul. Having a wen on each leg, he suffered one to be cut, and endured the surgeon without binding, not so much as sighing. Or once contracting his eyebrows but when the surgeon would cut the other he did not suffer him saying the cure was not worth the pain in his second consulship lucius his sister's son offered unchaste force to trebonius a soldier who slew him when many pleaded against him HE DID NOT DENY, BUT CONFESSED HE KILLED THE COLONEL, AND TOLD THE REASON WHY. HEREUPON MARIUS CALLED FOR A CROWN, THE REWARD OF EXTRAORDINARY VALOR, AND PUT IT UPON TREBONIUS'S HEAD. HE HAD PITCHED HIS CAMP WHEN HE FOUGHT AGAINST THE TEUTONS, IN A PLACE WHERE WATER WAS WANTING. WHEN THE SOLDIERS TOLD HIM THEY WERE THIRSTY he showed them a river running by the enemy's trench. Look you, said he, there is water for you, to be bought for blood. And they desired him to conduct them to fight while their blood was fluent and not all dried up with thirst. In the Cimbrian War he gave a thousand valiant Camertines the freedom of Rome, which no law did allow. AND TO SUCH AS BLAMED HIM FOR IT, HE SAID, I COULD NOT HEAR THE LAWS FOR THE CLASH OF ARROWS. IN THE CIVIL WAR HE LAY PATIENTLY ENTRENCHED AND BESIEGED, WAITING FOR A FIT OPPORTUNITY. WHEN POPEDIUS Silon CALLED TO HIM, MARIUS, IF YOU ARE SO GREAT A GENERAL, COME DOWN AND FIGHT and do you, said he, if you are so great a commander, force me to fight against my will, if you can. Lutatius Catullus Lutatius Catullus in the Cimbrian War lay encamped by the side of the river Atesus, and his soldiers, seeing the barbarians attempting to pass the river, gave back when he could not make them stand, he hastened to the front of them that fled, that they might not seem to fly from their enemies, but to follow their commander. Scylla. Scylla, surnamed the Fortunate, reckoned these two things as the chiefest of his felicities: the friendship of Metellus Pius and that he had spared and not destroyed the city of athens gaius popilius gaius popilius was sent to antiochus with a letter from the senate commanding him to withdraw his army out of egypt and to renounce the protection of that kingdom during the minority of ptolemy's children WHEN HE CAME TOWARDS HIM IN HIS CAMP, ANTIOCHUS KINDLY SALUTED HIM AT A DISTANCE, BUT WITHOUT RETURNING HIS SALUTATION, HE DELIVERED HIS LETTER, WHICH, BEING READ, THE KING ANSWERED THAT HE WOULD CONSIDER AND GIVE HIS ANSWER. WHEREUPON POPILIUS WITH HIS WAND MADE A CIRCLE ROUND HIM, SAYING, CONSIDER AND ANSWER before you go out of this place and when antiochus answered that he would give the romans satisfaction then at length popilius saluted and embraced him lucullus lucullus in armenia with ten thousand foot in armor and a thousand horse was to fight tigranes and his army Of a hundred and fifty thousand the day before the nones of october the same day on which formerly scipio's army was destroyed by the cimbrians when one told him the romans dread and abominate that day therefore said he let us fight to-day valiantly that we may change this day from a black and unlucky one to a joyful and festival day for the romans his soldiers were most afraid of their men-at-arms but he bade them be of good courage for it was more labor to strip than to overcome them he first came up to their counterscarp and perceiving the confusion of the barbarians cried out fellow soldiers the days our own and when nobody stood him he pursued and with the loss of five romans slew above a hundred thousand of them gnaeus pompeius gnaeus pompeius was as much beloved by the romans as his father was hated when he was young he wholly sided with Scylla, and before he had borne many offices or was chosen into the Senate, he enlisted many soldiers in Italy. When Scylla sent for him, he returned answer that he would not muster his forces in the presence of his general, unfleshed and without spoils nor did he come before that in several fights he had overcome the captains of the enemy he was sent by sylla lieutenant-general into sicily and being told that the soldiers turned out of the way and forced and plundered the country he sealed the swords of such as he sent abroad and punished all other stragglers and wanderers he had resolved to put the Mamartines that were of the other side all to the sword. But Stenius the orator told him he would do injustice if he should punish many that were innocent for the sake of one that was guilty, and that he himself was the person that persuaded his friends and forced his enemies to side with Marius. Pompey admired the man, and said he could not blame the Mamertines for being inveigled by a person who preferred his country beyond his own life, and forgave both the city and Sthenius too. When he passed into Africa against Domitius and overcame him in a great battle, the soldiers saluted him, Imperator. He answered, he could not receive that honor so long as the fortification of the enemy's camp stood undemolished. Upon this, although it rained hard, they rushed on and plundered the camp. At his return, among other courtesies and honors wherewith Scylla entertained him, he styled him the great. Yet, when he was desirous to triumph, sylla would not consent because he was not yet chosen into the senate but when pompey said to those that were about him sylla doth not know that more worship the rising than the setting sun sylla cried aloud let him triumph hereat ceruleius one of the nobles was displeased The soldiers also withstood his triumph until he had bestowed a largesse among them. But when Pompey replied, I would rather forego my triumph than flatter them. Now, said Servilius, I see Pompey is truly great and worthy of a triumph. It was a custom in Rome that knights who had served in the wars the time appointed by the laws should bring their horse into the forum before the censors and there give an account of their warfare and the commanders under whom they had served. Pompey, then consul, brought also his horse before the censors, Gellius and Lentulus, and when they asked him, as the manner is, whether he had served all his campaigns. All, said he, and under myself as general. Having gotten into his hands the writings of Sertorius in Spain, among which were letters from several leading men in Rome, inviting Sertorius to Rome to innovate and change the government, he burnt them all by that means giving opportunity to ill-affected persons to repent and mend their manners. Phraates, king of Parthia, sent to him requesting that the river Euphrates might be his bounds. He answered, the Romans had rather the right should be their bounds towards Parthia lucius lucullus after he left the army gave himself up to pleasure and luxury jeering at pompey for busying himself in affairs unsuitable to his age he answered that government became old age better than luxury in a fit of sickness his physician prescribed him to eat a thrush but when none could be gotten because they were out of season, one said that Lucullus had some, for he kept them all the year. It seems then, said he, Pompey must not live unless Lucullus play the glutton. And dismissing the physician, he ate such things as were easy to be gotten. In a great dearth at Rome, HE WAS CHOSEN BY TITLE OVERSEER OF THE MARKET, BUT IN REALITY LORD OF SEA AND LAND, AND SAILED TO AFRICA, SARDINIA, AND SICILY. HAVING PROCURED GREAT QUANTITIES OF WHEAT, HE HASTENED BACK TO ROME, AND WHEN BY REASON OF A GREAT TEMPEST THE PILOTS WERE LOATH TO HOIST SAIL, He went first aboard himself and commanding the anchor to be weighed, cried out aloud, There is a necessity of sailing, but there is no necessity of living. When the difference betwixt him and Caesar broke out, and Marcellinus, one of those whom he had preferred, revolted to Caesar and inveighed much against Pompey in the Senate. Art thou not ashamed, said he, Marcellinus, to reproach me, who taught you to speak when you were dumb, and fed you full even to vomiting when you were starved? To Cato, who severely blamed him because, when he had often informed him of the growing power of Caesar, such as was dangerous to a democracy, he took little notice of it, he answered, your counsels were more presaging but mine more friendly concerning himself he freely professed that he entered all his offices sooner than he expected and resigned them sooner than was expected by others after the fight at pharsalia in his flight towards egypt As he was going out of the ship into the fisher boat, the king sent to attend him, turning to his wife and son, he said nothing to them beside those two verses of Sophocles Whoever comes within a tyrant's door becomes his slave, though he were free before. As he came out of the boat, when he was struck with a sword, he said nothing, but gave one groan, and, covering his head, submitted to the murderers. CICERO Cicero, the orator, when his name was played upon and his friends advised him to change it, answered that he would make the name of Cicero more honorable than the name of the Catos, the Catoli, or the scoury. He dedicated to the gods a silver cup with a cover, with the first letters of his other names, and instead of Cicero, a chickpea, Cicer, engraven. Loud bawling orators, he said, were driven by their weakness to noise, as lame men to take horse had a son that in his youth had not well secured his chastity yet he reviled cicero for his effeminacy and called him catamite do you not know said he that children are to be rebuked at home within doors metellus nepos told him he had slain more by his testimony than he had saved by his pleadings you say true said he my honesty exceeds my eloquence when metellus asked him who his father was your mother said he hath made that question a harder one for you to answer than for me for she was unchaste while metellus himself was a light inconstant and passionate man the same metellus when diodotus his master in rhetoric died caused a marble crow to be placed on his monument and cicero said he returned his master a very suitable gratuity who had taught him to fly but not to declaim hearing that vatinius His enemy and otherwise a lewd person was dead, and the next day that he was alive, a mischief on him, said he, for lying. To one that seemed to be an African, who said he could not hear him when he pleaded, and yet, said he, your ears are of full bore. He had summoned Popilius Cotta an ignorant blockhead that pretended to the law as a witness in a cause. And when he told the court he knew nothing of the business, on my conscience I'll warrant you, said Cicero, he thinks you ask him a question in the law. Veres sent a golden sphinx as a present to Hortensius the orator, who told Cicero when he spoke obscurely, that he was not skilled in riddles. That's strange, said he, since you have a sphinx in your house. Meeting Voconius with his three daughters that were hard-favored, he told his friends softly that verse. Children he hath got, though Apollo favored not. When Faustus, the son of Scylla, being very much in debt set up a writing that he would sell his goods by auction he said i like this proscription better than his father's when pompey and caesar fell out he said i know whom to fly from but i know not whom to fly to he blamed pompey for leaving the city and for imitating Themistocles rather than Pericles, when his affairs did not resemble the former's but the latter's. He changed his mind and went over to Pompey, who asked him where he left his son-in-law Piso. He answered, With your father-in-law Caesar. To one that went over from Caesar to Pompey, saying that, in his haste and eagerness he had left his horse behind him, he said. You have taken better care of your horse than of yourself. To one that brought news that the friends of Caesar looked sourly. You do as good as call them, said he, Caesar's enemies. After the battle in Pharsalia, when Pompey was fled, one Nonnius said, They had seven eagles left still, and advised to try what they would do. Your advice, said he, were good, if we were to fight with jackdaws. Caesar, now conqueror, honorably restored the statues of Pompey that were thrown down. Whereupon Cicero said that Caesar, by erecting Pompey's statues, had secured his own he set so high a value on oratory and did so lay out himself especially that way that having a cause to plead before the kentumwiri when the day approached and his slave eros brought him word it was deferred until the day following he presently made him free gaius caesar Gaius Caesar, when he was a young man, fled from Scylla and fell into the hands of pirates, who first demanded of him a sum of money. And he laughed at the rogues for not understanding his quality and promised them twice as much as they asked him. Afterwards, when he was put into custody until he raised the money, he commanded them to be quiet and silent while he slept while he was in prison he made speeches and verses which he read to them and when they commended him but coldly he called them barbarians and blockheads and threatened them in jest that he would hang them but after a while he was as good as his word for when the money for his ransom was brought and he discharged He gathered men and ships out of Asia, seized the pirates, and crucified them. At Rome, he stood to be chief priest against Catullus, a man of great interest among the Romans. To his mother, who brought him to the gate, he said, Today, mother, you will have your son high priest or banished. He divorced his wife pompeia because she was reported to be over familiar with clodius yet when clodius was brought to trial upon that account and he was cited as a witness he spake no evil against his wife and when the accuser asked him why then did you divorce her because said he caesar's wife ought to be free even from suspicion as he was reading the exploits of alexander he wept and told his friends he was of my age when he conquered darius and i hitherto have done nothing he passed by a little inconsiderable town in the alps and his friends said they wondered whether there were any contentions and tumults for offices in that place. He stood, and after a little pause answered, I had rather be the first in this town than second in Rome. He said, great and surprising enterprises were not to be consulted upon, but done. And Coming against Pompey out of his province of Gaul, he passed the river Rubicon, saying, Let every die be thrown. After Pompey fled to sea from Rome, he went to take money out of the treasury. When Metellus, who had the charge of it, forbade him and shut it against him, he threatened to kill him. WHEREUPON METELLUS BEING ASTONISHED, HE SAID TO HIM, THIS YOUNG MAN IS HARDER FOR ME TO SAY THAN TO DO. WHEN HIS SOLDIERS WERE HAVING A TEDIOUS PASSAGE FROM BRUNDISIUM TO Dirachium, UNKNOWN TO ALL, HE WENT ABOARD A SMALL VESSEL, AND ATTEMPTED TO PASS THE SEA. AND WHEN THE VESSEL WAS IN DANGER OF BEING OVERSET, he discovers himself to the pilot, crying out, Trust fortune and know that you carry Caesar. But the tempest being vehement, his soldiers coming about him and expostulating passionately with him, asking whether he distrusted them and was looking for another army, would not suffer him to pass at that time. They fought and pompey had the better of it but instead of following his blow he retreated to his camp Today, said caesar the enemy had the victory but none of them know how to conquer pompey commanded his army to stand in array at pharsalia in their place and to receive the charge from the enemy in this caesar said He was out, thereby suffering the eagerness of his soldiers' spirits when they were up and inspired with rage and success, in the midst of their career, to languish and expire. After he routed Farnaces Ponticus at the first assault, he wrote thus to his friends, I came, I saw, I conquered. After Scipio was worsted in Africa and fled, and Cato had killed himself, he said, I envy thee thy death, O Cato, since thou didst envy me the honor of saving thee. Antonius and Dolabella were suspected by his friends, who advised him to secure them. He answered, i fear none of those fat and lazy fellows but those pale and lean ones meaning brutus and cassius as he was at supper the discourse was of death which sort was the best that said he which is unexpected caesar augustus caesar who was the first surnamed Augustus, being yet young, demanded of Antony the twenty-five millions of money which he had taken out of the house of Julius Caesar when he was slain, that he might pay the Romans the legacies he had left them, every man seventy-five drachums. But when Antony detained the money and bade him, if he were wise, let fall his demand he sent the crier to offer his own paternal estate for sale and therewith discharged the legacies by which means he procured a general respect to himself and to antony the hatred of the romans rometalces king of thrace forsook antony and went over to caesar but bragging immoderately in his drink and nauseously reproaching his new confederates, Caesar drank to one of the other kings and told him, I love treason, but do not commend traitors. The Alexandrians, when he had taken their city, expected great severity from him. But when he came upon the judgment seat, he placed arius the alexandrian by him and told them i spare this city first because it is great and beautiful secondly for the sake of its founder alexander and thirdly for the sake of arius my friend when it was told him that eros his steward in egypt having bought a quail That beat all he came near and was never worsted by any, had roasted and eaten it, he sent for him. And when upon examination he confessed the fact, he ordered him to be nailed on the mast of the ship. He removed Theodorus, and in his stead made Arius his factor in Sicily, whereupon a petition was presented to him in which was written theodorus of tarsus is either a bald pate or a thief what is your opinion caesar read it and subscribed i think so machinus his intimate companion presented him yearly on his birthday with a piece of plate athenodorus the philosopher by reason of his old age begged leave that he might retire from court which caesar granted and as athenodorus was taking his leave of him remember said he caesar whenever you are angry to say or do nothing before you have repeated the four-and-twenty letters to yourself whereupon caesar caught him by the hand and said i have need of your presence still and he kept him a year longer saying the reward of silence is a secure reward he heard alexander at the age of thirty-two years had subdued the greatest part of the world and was at a loss what he should do with the rest of his time but he wondered Alexander should not think it a lesser labor to gain a great empire than to set in order what he had gotten. He made a law concerning adulterers, wherein was determined how the accused were to be tried and how the guilty were to be punished. Afterwards, meeting with a young man that was reported to have been familiar with his daughter Julia. Being enraged, he struck him with his hands. But when the young man cried out, O Caesar, you have made a law, he was so troubled at it that he refrained from supper that day. When he sent Gaius, his daughter's son, into Armenia, he begged of the gods that the favor of Pompey, the valor of Alexander, and his own fortune might attend him he told the romans he would leave them one to succeed him in the government that never consulted twice in the same affair meaning tiberius he endeavored to pacify some young men that were imperious in their offices and when they gave little heed to him but still kept astir Young men, said he, hear an old man to whom old men hearkened when he was young. Once, when the Athenians had offended him, he wrote to them from Aigena, I suppose you know I am angry with you, otherwise I had not wintered at Aegina. Besides this, he neither said nor did anything to them one of the accusers of Eurycles prated lavishly and unreasonably, proceeding so far as to say, If these crimes, O Caesar, do not seem great to you, command him to repeat to me the seventh book of Thucydides. Wherefore Caesar, being enraged, commanded him to prison. But afterwards, When he heard he was descended from Brasidas, he sent for him again and dismissed him with a moderate rebuke. When Piso built his house from top to bottom with great exactness, you cheer my heart, said he, who build as if Rome would be eternal. End of section 18.